So this morning I had the luxury of um, getting a nice little surprise. The all of a sudden drop of the trailer Prey. And then the issue that we've been having, and I want to get into this issue, but um, when I posted in the group me, you can't see what it is. Like the picture doesn't show up. So you have to click it. Why are we <laughs> okay? What? Didn't we mention this last week when we well, talked on the podcast? Well, whether we did or not, but today was the first time where I got called out for a double post. Yeah, nice. And this is like, like huge breaking news because that Bro. never happens. That Beat never you happens. to it. And and within a minute, but it wasn't the prey trailer. It was something else. But it was something more important Still in my of- mind. I mean, uh, I the prey trailer looked cool. It's Forty seconds. It's a teaser. Mm-hmm. But uh. I mean, I like the idea of the predators coming back when it's like more primeval times, like Native Americans and whatnot, and seeing how they hold up against a predator is going to be pretty interesting because you think that it's not going to last very long. Sticks and arrows and uh, and stones aren't going to stop a laser wielding knife claw holding predator. So with his thermal uh, thermal vision. Yes. So the thing that I like most about this is, like you said, the, the time period that it's setting, because it's really changing everything that we've known about the Predator franchise we've gotten already. And I'm not a big fan, but I certainly like the Dan Trettenberg that is directing this, who previously did 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, I didn't even know that, dude. Dan Trachtenberg is a good boy. Mm, yes. And he also did an episode of Black Mirror, which positively reviewed. So. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and you know my appreciation for the Predator franchise outside of the um, the Shane Black attempt because that's what that was—an attempt. Um, I think the biggest they thing- were definitely trying to do something and modernize the Predator for like this time. Much it failed, dude. The cast was too much. Um, the cast was too much, and they they bungled the entire what could have been like an epic reveal at the end. With Arnold Schwarzenegger, they totally bungled it. Yes. Now, the one thing, though, to, with the Prey teaser is that that film is going to be released on Hulu. And I think that could be a like a not a big win, but I think that can be a win for the streamer and just the film itself because it can bring in a different audience that might be hesitant to go into theaters. Um, yeah. Especially for those, like, I guess we can call this, like, legacy ip monster flicks i mean in a, in its vein of that collaboration um because pretty soon hulu is going to be having the alien tv show so all in all like they could be on like this type of train like this is what we're going to market and i'll be totally down for that totally down yeah man i have to agree the whole the the whole idea of like obviously all of the predator movies you were at the perspective of the prey, but like the name alone kind of gets me a little excited. I like that. It's different. Now that you tell me it's Dan Trachtenberg, I'm very excited because of what he was able to do with 10th Cloverfield lane. And he was able to make a movie that was a standalone movie and then inject the IP in there. So very well, because the studio was like, Hey, let's just make this a Cloverfield movie after the fact. So if he can do that with that, I can only imagine he'll be able to do the same thing with Predator with this like hunter versus prey it like again Native American style 
old timey period piece version of this movie. And hopefully he handles the action really well. And I'm very excited, but I couldn't be more excited for the elementals, the new Pixar project. That just sounds right up my alley. And that's, that's the other thing that Brent was talking about a second ago. I beat him to sharing the news. Same time. It was the same time, but ah, but hey, just like you told Chase, I only see one on top of the other, my friend. It's a that's a good one. That's cool. I, know, I, I, I was I, able in, in defeat. I was able to use uh, from the lovely what uh, <coughs> Goodman. What's his shit? I'm about to choke an Eminem. <coughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is it Saul Goodman? Oh yeah. Shit. Um, White Goodman. Saul Goodman. Oh Saul. right. Yeah. Yes. But but white good man. Nobody like, makes me bleed, bleed my own blood. But me. Yes. That was awesome. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, with that, welcome back to the Sin Arrivals podcast, folks. This is episode 20 something or other. But honestly, who the thought we would ever be this far anyways? We're still here. We're still talking to each other. And Last we got probably a high key short episode for you folks because ain't nothing good come out. But we did invent inevitably go to the movies because Brent and Brett, they always be going to the movies, even though we both watched this one at home on Peacock because so you did watch this. out. Okay. Yeah, no, dude, I wasn't even going to make the effort to drive out to the, the theater that I work at to go watch it on the big screen. I had Legos to take apart and rebuild at home. Uh, <laughs> but that movie we are so uh, fervently talking about is Firestarter, a remake a adaptation, a mess all around. The this movie's not good. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a surprise to even see. I know we previously mentioned with Bloomhouse being the production, the producers here, uh, at least like one of them. But that's usually a pretty good stamp of approval. However, that's really not the case. I, see, I told you, dude. The Blumhouses will just put their money wherever they want to. Yes, and then if it's great. Then they make bank. If it's not so great, then they're like, whatever, we'll move on and give you three more movies. Yeah, I don't think they can really. It's be- a good business model because they're yeah, not they're giving these people two hundred million dollars. They'll give them thirty million dollars, forty million dollars, fifty million dollars. They're like, go make your movie. And if it makes us bank, we're good. Yes. And also, though, this is a Stephen Keaton adaptation. And right. That is very, you know, hit or miss. He's on. He's got too many stories, dude. It's- well, too many adaptations, and they're not. Oh, well, yeah. Good. No, far from it, dude. One of these days, we need to rank every Stephen King adaptation from worst to best. I I, I have listened to some podcasts covering that exact uh, thing there, and I I mean, it's it feels one more like, man number one, <laughs> dude. It, <laughs> it feels like there's just so many. Um, like you're saying, the stories are so out there, and the, he's had a lot of shows just become tv series so that's another thing yeah um dude and there there are some like you everyone knows the shawshank redemption everyone knows it everyone knows cujo but like you you keep hearing all these titles will come i didn't know firestarter was a stephen king book until this whole movie came out or whatever the dude just has so many iconic horror stories they're just very inept for adaptation so it means it makes sense that for all these years we've been getting all these different movies but i mean i don't know this one is just very much ain't it you're forgetting um excuse me you're forgetting a big one the shining sure 
carry. But but absolutely, yeah. He's it's it's just it's wild that we are where we are because it's just one of those things where he also has so much material that and to kind of just go into Stephen Keen real quick, but he has so much material that's not even been discovered, like not discovered, but like hasn't been adapted yet. So there's always these people that feel like in terms of the studios could just be like, well, if we need something, we'll just dig into our Stephen Keen hat, pull out an, a book, a title or a story or something, and we can go out and adapt it. However, you're coming close to like where we are now with Firestarter, where they're not all going to be winners. I mean, what was, I'm, I'm kind of looking through some of his list here and um he a lot of like stuff he does just it's it's unrecognizable in ways where I just yeah and what's really funny is I don't know if you've heard this but a lot of times Stephen King will say the movies he liked were the ones that were just not successful by critics by box office and, and then it just, yeah he only likes the ones that stay truthful to his source material like he hates The Shining because of how different it is from the book yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is like a like a long format short series like for TV that they made that is a lot closer to the book that he had a hand in creating, I'm pretty sure. But I, I mean, The Shining is a an, an epic piece of horror cinema that will like stand the test of time so he can get the fuck over it. Correct. Correct. And yeah. he has winners, though. Like, we're not going to do a lot of winners, dude. And like low key winners like Misery or Gerald's Game or the one where it's uh, John Cusack in a hotel room, like 1940 something. 1408. 1408. Well, I was close. And, well, and the other thing, though, too, is like you're just talking about with Starshine Redemption. He's done Stand By Me and The Green Mile, like two. Right. Those aren't even oh, horror yeah. stories. So yeah. he's like just he is a really good writer. But and I honestly could see this the plot of Firestarter being a really well-written movie. Unfortunately, this movie we got, it was not. It was, a. I mean, it's a remake of an 80s movie with Drew Barrymore, and apparently that one isn't even, like, super critically well-received. I had never even heard of it until this newer version came out. I still haven't seen the old one. Um, and it's just, dude, it's, it's almost like it could be a really successful X-Men movie with all the powers and like it was trying to be a superhero movie before it was a a horror movie. And some of the lines were just incredibly cheesy. Uh, I, I turned my brain off when I was watching this and kind of just like let it pass by. And it felt like I watched it within an hour, even though it was only like 94 minutes, but by the end and after sitting on it for a while, I'm like, what the, that felt like half of a movie. They jumped so quickly from plot point to plot point. It felt like half of a movie. Well, yeah. And I kind of want to, um, I guess like real quick for the listeners who don't even, or they're not aware with what Firestarter, it, uh, a young girl with extraordinary pyrokinetic powers fights to protect her family and herself from sinister forces that seek to capture and control her. Now it's been but also How is this not Carrie? I, uh, there's no fire. This feels like Stephen King's pulling from himself on this one. Almost, well, that's the thing, though, is there's a lot of films that can be the case or his stories can be the case. True. Um, they all take place in Maine. Yeah, it's it's been forever since I've seen the, the film with Drew Barrymore. So and I didn't want to return to it because uh, it was brutal enough just watching this. It's and, also on Peacock and it's longer and I might suffer oh, through it on my horror rewatch for this uh, October. Okay, at for least like my 31 films. Yeah, but not really inclined to after watching the new Jeez. one. Gee, okay. I just want to, I just kind of want to break this, but like, so I, I don't know if you caught it, but like I did bump up my rating just a wee bit. Um, right. And I bumped mine down and we ended up at the same thing, which is hilarious. 
and, and there's and the reason for that is because um you've previously heard me mention this on the podcast in thousands of words prior, but uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre will always be the worst film for me this year. And just now looking at this on Letterboxd, but TCM still has a 2.0 rating. And within the opening weekend, Firestarter is at a 1.9. And I'm I'm very disappointed (laughs) in the Letterboxd community there. Yeah. It's but, a it's a it's a wholeheartedly disappointing film because it feels so unfinished weird. and choppy and yeah. edited weird. And like weird. we're supposed to care about any of these people, but they cut out the beginning of the movie where they're like setting up their lives and it's they're just like, oh, we're being uprooted. It's so it's like it's just like, let's get this shit over with, bro. Let's and and it's. The, with the, even with the fire stuff, it was like, oh, fire bad. So I so we haven't even mentioned it yet, but Zach Afron is supposedly the lead star in this film. Supposedly. And, supposedly. And I mean, I mean, hell, from Baywatch fame. <laughs> I think he's going to be wanting to say supposedly every time it is brought up to him from now on. After so seeing the reviews. Yeah, I kind of caught on that he um, he was on Ellen and I, wa- I was watching an interview with him uh, just like promoting the film. And this is the first role that he's taken on where he's played a father. And it, I found it strange when Ellen asked him that question, like, do you consider yourself, do you look in, at that chapter in your life yet? And he was just very stuttering, uh, like off, put offish on like trying to answer that question wholeheartedly. And I don't, and, you know, he was telling him like, you know, I'm thankful for my mother and kind of just really dodging the question. And it's just like understanding, like, I'm not, it's not that time for me right now. And I couldn't help but notice, like, I watched that interview first, and then I watched this movie, and I'm like, you can really tell he does not know how to be a father. Like, there's just no, no connect to, there's no connection, no chemistry, no, like, um, just Yeah, dude, and, and he feels I, like the, he, he, even though we're supposed to be, think this is his father, she, he feels like the older brother. Yeah, or just right? like, or, the person, like, or a general, or a general, like, third party feeling. I don't know if you saw this, but like a lot of reviews were mocking this about a really poor made Logan film. And even one of the dude, no, that, that I'm telling you, the X-Men stuff is so apparent. There are so many parallels to Logan. Like they fucking they get a black guy killed because they stay at his farmhouse by the government. Like it's literally Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's really some bonkers how um does how they get away with it yeah yeah i mean i don't know and i've i've been a big fan of zach efron i mean i kind of watch most of the stuff he's done he has recently come out talking about um he wants to be a part of the mcu and i think a lot of times people just say that to kind of boost up their their own personal ip i guess in a way so i don't know what to expect with like him going forward uh i mean he did play ted bundy which is an interesting choice for him i i really like that movie honestly oh it was something um yeah it was something not my personal favorite but i mean yeah firestarter is it's firestarter i I know we both just don't recommend it uh it's a really painful watch what was like almost got to the so funny it's like laughably bad but it didn't even get there. And that kind of happened earlier this year with backlight for me, where it was like, this is like that. It's like that terrible uh, middle ground where it's not quite good enough to be enjoyable. And it's not quite bad enough to be enjoyable. It's just 
bad and like a waste of time. Well, I don't find any Liam Neeson film a waste of time. Uh, well, no, you just think it's bad but enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, this was a really bad week in general. I mean, Doctor Strange two even had a really huge dip in its second week, and the box. Right. This I strong. I think. I think studios being afraid of the behind the second week of a Marvel film should be like over and gone with. You sent me the graph. The drop offs for Marvel films are insane because all the fans go out and see it first thing opening weekend, avoiding the spoilers. And then unless there's an epic level of rewatchability, which a lot of these Marvel movies don't actually have, there is the massive drop off. And like you could have a successful run of a film after a Marvel film has opened for a week. So we'll see how like scheduling changes over the years. Yeah. I mean, just exactly how you're saying that. I kind of want to pull this up here. Um, Yeah. I made, I made a chart about the charts with Brent. Sorry, Dan Merle. uh, I made a spreadsheet of um, all this all the MCU films and their second weekend in the box office, their drop percentage, how much they grossed. And I made a chart to kind of illustrate, you know, just the, the navigation of like, this was a big drop, but it still made a good amount of money. This was, you know, vice versa. And so I, I think that was kind of, kind of neat to ha- have a visual for it, especially just kind of going forward and whatnot. But um, I mean, this is a really bad example to kind of say, but I wonder with what you're talking about, how this second weekend, um, could have a lot to do with just also yeah big films come out but a lot of times uh it's, it's always graduation in may so like sometimes um numbers can be faded in a way i don't know about that well i mean i'm kind of I, 2019 second weekend of avengers you know it dropped uh 28 but again i feel like the drop is it's a significant drop because the majority of marvel fans are going out those opening nights opening weekend and seeing it immediately it's so hard to like look at this when you're talking about box office and you see avengers so i had to go back just a year later yeah marvel's owned may for like the last like the first of may has been marvel for a long time um i'm going to 2016 i believe was um 2017 was Gardens of the Galaxy 2. 20, oh, sorry, 2017 was that. 2016 was Captain America Civil War. Yeah, I mean, geez. But they're still, they do hit a second weekend cutoff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I made that to have it been interesting to see. Gee, okay, hold up. No, I'm going through this. All right. I want to see the first time we did not have a May film, a May Marvel film in. in Let's see, we're in 2014. Ah, here we go. Boom. 2014. You want to know what it is? Uh, let me think. You so, said there was no Marvel movie. Yeah, because tw- it was 2013 for Guardians, and then it was 2015 for Avengers. Age of Ultron. I, so 2014 in May was maybe... Wow, why can't I not? I can't think of a single film that came out in 2014. Really? Well, so Captain America Winter Soldier came out in April. Oh, oh, well, it's not a Marvel movie then? No, but it's a superhero film. What? Yes, right. Uh, Oh, it's was it? No, it's not Man of Steel. That was 2013. Um, Mm -hmm. superhero kick ass, too. Okay, no, but it was a sequel. Uh, The Amazing Spider Man 2. Oh, of May. 
Okay. And the second weekend was Neighbors. So it, that's where that's funny. Zach, Zach, see a good Zach Efron movie. Oh, a thousand. Yeah. If you're looking for some some salad, Zach Efron, Neighbors is where you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's just wild to look at. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that's that's a really like that's the thing that we're going to be getting into here with our theme. I think, a, you know, perfect segue. Um, our theme is bad releases i mean in spite of like firestarter being what is truly a horror film coming out in may that should be coming out in october brett came up with the idea of like trying to dig deep in the releases the release schedule the box office charts and right we're not here to talk about quality of movies even though i think the three pick movies i picked are pretty good it's just did this movie suffer from when it was released? Was there a was there something to gain by being released at a different time during that year? And I found three movies with three different reasonings that I think uh, fit that theme. It's a little more of a thinker here, folks, but we didn't want to just do Stephen King movies like every other podcast under the sun. We're unique. This is the Sin Arrivals podcast, and we're here to be uh us i don't know where i was going with that but brent what was your what is what is what your first movie how many do you have first off well so just kind of make it more relevant and i guess for, for i guess to be enjoyable for our listeners is i just kind of kept it within the last like five years um because it's a lot easier to tell i did one i did one older one that's, that's uh, uh, i i got a, i got a good range actually i got a good range those infl- inflations is really hard because there was something I was reading recently um, after watching all these, you know, sneak preview here. But sure. When it comes to box office. Yeah, obviously, that is a little bit different. But I still I still like I, I'm, I mean, I'm not changing my picks, but like oh, how many do you have total? Yeah, you're good. And I'll, I'll uh, it was Top Gun. I think I saw something where like the original, if you adjust the inflation of like Top Gun's release or something like that, it would be one of the biggest of all time uh, U.S. wise. But anyways. Um, yeah, so I have a film uh, that came out, uh, and I what I did with my list is like I didn't pick any of those films that get dropped in the dump months, the months of January, February, sometimes September. I didn't want to like look into that because that's you know, that it's a cream of a crop, maybe a those are because like what we're talking about with what you said, quality of pictures, sometimes that is just a really bad film that comes out in there in those weeks, but um, but what I looked at mainly was just competition and a film out of that, you know, bundle that was the bad, I mean, not the um, better received film, if you ask me, but a film that I personally like, uh, what I did was I went, I went back to 2018, uh, November 16th, opening weekend. Um, this was the films that, uh, what I'll give you a hint here. Um, no, I'll just tell you what the film was. There'll be a lot of <laughs> what gave up on that game really fast because i think what would be neat is if i tell you the film and then maybe you try to figure out the competition or something but um what i selected and i recently rewatched this but and i don't hold on i'm actually i'm curious if you've seen this because if not then you can add it to your watch list um so i'm really big fan of this movie uh i recently rewatched it during um quarantine but uh 2018's widows directed by steve mcqueen what's that I didn't watch it. Okay, well then that's cool. So you 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 have yourself a cinematic blind spot. Um, I I think this film is fucking awesome. Uh, just to kind of give you a quick rundown, um, police shootout leaves four thieves dead during an armed robbery, and their widows have nothing in common, but they decide to join forces. This, to- is this the one with 
uh, Viola Davis, like uh, and Melissa McCarthy and Elizabeth Moss, and oh, that's the fucking like, kitchen. Oh, okay. This one, this one okay. was directed by dude. Come on, hold up. Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Erivo, Colin Farrell, Robert Duvall, Liam Neeson, Brian Teller Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, Lucas Howe, Garrett Dillahunt, Carrie Coon, John Berthnall. I can literally do those all day. Um, but this movie was fucking awesome. And, and I thought it was just really underlooked in all areas, even, you know, within the award season, but, but it made in its U S run, it made $42 million, which, uh, is not good worldwide. 76. It's, it's not pretty. Um, so I thought 42 for a film that came out in the holidays, you know, usually that means big bucks, big bane. However, uh, it went up against probably like films you just unfortunately don't want to go. So up. yeah, 2018, and you said December, right? November. Okay, so two in the U.S. I feel like. <sighs> so I have three films within its first week and, and then the second week that really I think just did not help this film uh, at all in the box office. I'm not. Is Bohemian Rhapsody is one of them, right? Yes, sir. Second week. Okay. And um, I don't know. So you have, uh, I believe it was uh, DreamWorks, The Grinch, Dr. Seuss's Grinch. Uh, Yeah. See, I was thinking that, but I thought it was waited till December. So that movie made some money, but also, also Fantastic Beast. What it was? Oh, Crimes of Grindelwald. Duh. No, first one. First one. 2018? First one. Are you sure? Yeah, because I was still at the theater. I thought the first one came out in 2016. Oh, so then uh, it was the Crimes of Grindelwald. It was the second one. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you son of a bitch. Yes. So, which is even more sad because that movie was ass. Right. That was a bad one. Um. Yeah. And so, and obviously, like those movies made a ton of money. Um. So I thought that that was my first one. I thought that that just. It, with its unfortunate release and then it kind of gets sidelined so quickly but before you even get to uh, Christmas and sometimes if a film comes out around Thanksgiving and it gets it carries legs it can even survive through those hol- the, the second holiday in a way um, and yeah like I the other thing like I kind of looked into and I, I have that with some other films that I picked here but trying to figure out like where else to release it I mean you would want to release it in the holiday but unfortunately it just went up against tougher competition and that's uh that's what we're here for. We're here to bring out that. So this might be one of those scenes where like we're recommending all these films if you haven't seen it. So Widows, um, fucking awesome film, just awesome, awesome fucking film. Uh, I guess I'll go with mine that is similar in your situation that went up against like some incredible juggernauts, but I didn't stick to the more recent sort of thing. Um, my film is from 1982. And oh my let, god, what the f- yeah, let me let me put let me put the let me drop this juggernaut of sci fi films that was in theaters at the same time. So the films are, are E.T., oh, Tron, oh, well. The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, and oh god, I'm I'm forgetting the last one, Star Trek, the uh, The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek 2. All of these sci-fi films were out in theaters at the same time. And then Blade Runner 
Ridley Scott's Blade Runner comes out and does absolutely abysmal at the box office. Maybe one of the sci-fi's historically biggest bombs in <laughs> box office history. And you can understand why when it's going up against two of the most successful sci-fi films in Star Trek Two and Tron, E.T., which was like a, a like totally appealing to all any and all families that were like going to the theater. So that had that whole market. And in my opinion, the best horror movie, one of the best horror movies of all time, the thing. So like, how can you compete? And like Blade Runner is great, but people went into Blade Runner with certain expectations. Like it's Harrison Ford. It's Ridley Scott. This is going to be like a rollicking sci-fi adventure when really it's a neo-noir that makes you think about like humanity and stuff. So people weren't going to go see it. And like, yeah, it's a fucking fantastic movie. It's the pinnacle of sci-fi cinema. It's one of the most pulled from movies of all time when you're making a sci-fi film, but it did a like, I think it only made like 27 million at the box office, which is atrocious. The sequel that was so incredibly like uh, anticipated got even more shafted in. If you think about it, when it comes to inflation, when it hit the box office, because there was, there was just still a level of like, un like, disappointment because they keep thinking they're going to get something else when they really are not. It's Blade Runner. But I think if Blade Runner comes out in a different month, like maybe like closer to the holidays or whatnot, it does a lot better. Uh, even like till today, like, I mean, more recently that sequel has um, still within our memory, whatever, but for the longest time, people always kept thinking that the ending with Harrison Ford and his character, Deckard being a replicant was like a big, like, fan theory for a while and it kind of helped survive the i mean and you can even call it like a cult classic because it didn't have a good yeah no it's the definition and it really propelled ridley scott as a director and a filmmaker Mm -hmm. like his craft and sci-fi and i I was just having a conversation with the buddy recently about how you know as much as i love ridley scott as a director and like what he's done recently with these time period pieces i want him to go back to sci-fi dude Um, i want to create something yeah like that i mean the Martian is the closest, but it's not really his you know, vision in a way. Like he right. was, it's not his story. Yeah, um, that's a great pick. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know me, I can't complain with that one. No, I, dude, and it's just like, come on, those are, those are. If you ask someone, what's your favorite sci-fi film? Those are like five movies that you would hear over and over again, easily. Like Tron obviously isn't like as big of a name, but like Disney put that out and it made fucking money in 1982. And like same with Wrath of Khan. People love the first Star Trek movie. They love the second one. But then you have like this, like what seems like an indie thinker piece about a dystopian future. And it's not as action packed as you may want it to be. And so you're hearing bad word of mouth and it makes no money. It's just a damn shame. I think. If you if you didn't have all those other movies to compare it to, it would have done so much better. Um, bah, couldn't couldn't have been said better, honestly. Uh, and that is such a I mean, fuck, man, I really want to watch those movies now. Um, yeah. So my next pick, I know, right? Um, so this is I mean, this is this is entertainment. This is content, people. Um, Blade Runner. <laughs> so my pick came out in twenty seventeen. Um, it is Blade Runner 2049. 
<laughs> quality <laughs> content, folks. I, Remember, not, you saw we my do not discuss this before. You well, when you were my... reacting, I thought I was saying something wrong. Like I no, was getting because my fact, I had correct. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and you're out here talking about the fucking first one. So I have yes. So I have Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I uh, even, dude, I even talked about it. I'm in total agreement with you, but I wanted to talk about the older one. This is fucking, well, that's, that's the unfortunate thing is because of how successful these films have now become and the filmmakers that have been a part of them and just the critically acclaim yet when you're, for some reason, like. I definitely need to watch that HBO show. I love the Blade based, Runner universe. Based by, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The animated one that came out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It seems right up my alley. I just need to sit down and watch. Yeah, so. But yeah. That's the, like, as we kind of, with this theme that we have come up with, a lot of studios, they don't look at the reviews. They don't look at the awards. The only thing they truly, really care about is the fucking money that these movies make. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, you know, cross that plateau and, and they see that net profit or whatever, like, they just don't care. Um, but yes, I, so I have Blade Runner 2049. Um, the U.S. gross was 92, total 258. And this came out opening weekend in October, the first one, the first week in its competition was fucking Kingsman 2, The Leftovers of It 2. And then the second week in October, it pretty much got washed out by Happy Dude, Death Day. That's crazy. It's almost the exact yeah. opposite situation because that had it. Your movie should have succeeded up against those things. But I think it's the circumstance of coming out in the wrong month. Well, another thing, yes, and I actually have created, I've, I've exactly. chosen a swap. I've chosen a swap. Yeah. But I think in the thing with Blade Runner 24-9, though, is its runtime is probably too long for an audience. If to- it comes out this year, though, no one gives a fuck. I, yeah, right? We're um, used to four-hour Zack Snyder cuts and three-hour Batman movies. 249 is a breeze. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're telling me. I know. I hate so, that I'm being trained. Bring back the 90-minute the movie. So what I um, and I know we have a, um, a I guess you could say a VIP member that will be appreciative of my pick here. And I guess both of our picks. But I thought of um, a really good like swap with this film to kind of let maybe level it out in a way. But um, not maybe not even that. But I think that if you were to move this up into May, I think it could have had a stronger like not even like opening weekend, but just a stronger leg. Like it could have carried on through May and through the summer. Wasn't that No Way Home spot? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, but that was oh. a few weeks later. What I'm saying is, you swap Alien Covenant, you move that down to October, and then you yeah. move. Blade I'm already Rock, yeah. Twenty forty nine up there. So as I'm saying, like twenty forty nine, like that could have the leg of the entire summer. I think it could make maybe an extra fifty to seventy five mil. And then it can even more worldwide and it can be considered a success because it has that entire summer window where it can just run up juice. And yeah, it, it's comp- uh, so alien you, that made 74 mil in the U S in May because it was going against gardens of the galaxy volume two. And then it's following week was the fifth pirates of the Caribbean, which wasn't that well received, but it still made more money. And so I think that if you were switching that around, but Alien in October, I think that. And I think if it was right before those summer months, it would have given time for the people to get the word of mouth, to hear about it, and to use that extra summer time to go out and see the movie. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with, you know, working at the theater as we have, but people like to see so many different genres in the summertime. And so that's why so many kind of really come out. I mean, <laughs> reason for this, like even horror films sometimes can be successful in the summer. 
And so like that was what I kind of wanted to, uh, to do with this one is just swap those two around. And, and I feel like it could be pretty fair for both. I mean, Alien would own October. I mean, that's the thing. Dude, yes. And that's the other thing. I, 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 I've made my opinion of the Alien franchise post Alien 2. Uh, pretty clear to you and the bud in the buddies. Like I can't stand Prometheus, and I only think the good parts of Alien Covenant are the Xenomorphs and Danny McBride. But put that movie in October, and I don't know, dude. That's just the time of year when you want to get spooked, and like you're more susceptible to that stuff. You're going to the haunted houses. You're going to the thing. That's why haunt, dude. That's where this the whole idea comes from horror movies should be released exclusively in October and maybe even February. There's something about February that like a good horror movie in February kind of works. Maybe it's the short month, but I'm also, I don't know. So yeah. So even with covenant, like we're saying Prometheus came out, would have, they would have both succeeded. Was it same studio? Are they both universal? Yeah. uh, I believe no. 20th century Fox. Oh no. Because 20th century Fox, because Disney bought, bought them out because that's why Hulu's having the alien TV show. Are you sure it's not Warner Brothers because well that's what I think. Or so no so aliens 20th century fox blade runner is Warner Brothers because that's why yeah, the yeah, show's on HBO Max. Yeah. So it wasn't the same studio. So we couldn't have just done the swap like very simply but it's still I think it would have benefited both uh, studios to do what you're saying. Yeah and so like with Prometheus they also released that in June 8th which is and it didn't do that well in the box office I, I mean it, it made a good amount but I'm just saying a film with that just that nature of horror alien space shit whatever October would be perfect for it so that was that was my like bonus pick swap out there um, very fun idea I think and um, my next one you definitely will enjoy a little, little treat there Um, I mean I think you will like talking about mine because we get to talk about uh, musical biopic. So well, no, at least I know it's not the one I despise. So this might actually be interesting. You've now watched that movie and you do not despise it. First off, but well, it's I mean, you you despise the stigma it, around the whole thing. It's, yeah, well, it's not. It's not even. It's re, you know rewarding someone for just putting name on other people's homework. That's all that was. Anyways, this well, this the the name that was on the homework is <laughs> handwritten by the guy who is the guy. So when uh, I, what I'm talking about, which that probably made no sense whatsoever I got uh, is rocket man, Taron Edgerton, Elton John, Elton John handpicked Taron Edgerton because of previous relationships in Kingsman two, which you talked about, but also because of his performance of I'm still standing in the movie saying, which I love those two facts. Um, Elton John picks Taron Edgerton to play him in the story, the retelling of Elton John's career uh, in the movie Rocket Man that was directed by Dexter Fletcher, who yeah. took over Bohemian Rhapsody from Brian Singer after that dude went fucking ape shit and just left. Uh, anyways, Rocket, I love Rocket Man. Rocket Man is stylistic. It is incredible. It is like music video after music video after music video, but also is a great retelling of the life and like hardships that Elton John went through in his life and all the drug addiction and the homosexuality and coming to terms with that. Uh, it's it's really honest. I love that it's rated R. I love Taron Edgerton's performance. I love that he's singing 
with his own voice in that and in this movie, even though I don't discredit anyone who chooses to lip sync when their person there they're playing has a very distinct vocal sound. But what I think could have benefited Rocket Man, and honestly, after the whole Rami Malik winning for playing Freddie Mercury situation, is if this movie was put in September or even like October or November and released then dude this got incredible word of mouth right out of the gate when this movie was released like a lot of people freaking love this and were really about this movie and the performance especially people love seeing Elton John and Taron Edgerton together and especially when they were going to the award show I think if they change the release date Taron Edgerton wins the Oscar for best picture or not for best picture for best actor in his year that year um really? like correct me if i'm wrong but he went up against oh shit i did not write it down but you you already know who won i believe that was the year uh joaquin phoenix won for the joker so i see yeah i think that was a yes. mm. that one off the legs of the character and what heath ledger was able to do oh. also and i think that if there was if with if the release was more aligned with the award season for rocket man i really think the word of mouth would have kept spreading and spreading and spreading you would have seen elton john at every single thing for every single award and pushing harder for taron edgerton because of it and he could have very much won he won the bafta am i wrong he won he won the golden globe and, so he right. did have so he technically had but it's comedy musical and correct. And so he had um, where I would agree with you in terms of he should have been nominated. I could make that argument. OK, that was All also right. the year. Um, Wasn't that Jay Israel Adam, Esquire? No, that was also the year Adam Sandler got left out for Uncut Gems. Uh, <sighs> that was also the year. You Dude, saw, I just deflated. <laughs> Antonio Banderas, Jonathan Price get nominated in the best actor category. So yikes. Yeah. I think, I think he should have at least been nominated. No cap like that. There's okay. no reason. I'll take that. <laughs> I mean, my argument stands in my opinion, but I'll take that. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're right, though. I, I it's it's weird how a film of that statue with like Elton John being just as famous as Queen nowadays, because, you know, they're all. So I mean, it, hit, it was the end of May. They put it as a summer release and it kind of got mixed up in that crowd. Because so that was have, also it was 2019, dude. It was in the mix with Endgame. Well, do you um, let me? I also have, I believe, Toy Story Four was like two. Weeks yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, the theaters were packed at this time. Now, I remember I was working at the uh, at this time. Oh, it also had a Aladdin. It was competing. Yeah. Aladdin. Okay. This that was a tough year or a tough summer. Right. Um, right. Imagine if it would have snuck off into the award season uh, slots. I'm telling you. So, oh, dude, I have it. If you release that the first week of November, that would wipe out Terminator, Dark Fate and Midway. Hands yeah, it, there it is. Yep. It made 91 <laughs> in its total run in the U.S. I think if you release it the first week of November, considering the success that A Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody had in that same time slot. And then, th yeah, it's through the holiday. It's the through the Thanksgiving weeks. Oh, yeah. Those movies made bank. Oh, yeah. Yep. Dude, I'm I telling you, it would have been more financially successful and it would have been more critically successful and it would have been more this, uh, like this is how, successful. This is why we have the box office. Dude, truthfully, and also this is why I love this idea for the podcast. Like, this is a good theme. This is 
Well, you're going to like my next one. Um, because is this your last one, do you have more after me? I have two more. I only I, have I, one more. So I'm, then we'll cut I'm back to you on. and you'll take us home. Uh, so I wanted to kind of, you know, um, give you some love because I know you love the genre of comedy. So I wanted to kind of look into, um, I your, do love me a head. good yuck. Yeah. So what I did was I went not too far back. Um, and this is a film I've actually wanted to rewatch for a long time. And when I say, <laughs> when I say long time, I'm referring to the film, The Long Shot. This oh, is, yeah. So this is. I watched that on a plane. For some reason, Letterbox is like, we can't find that film. Spaced. Really? Is it The it's, Long Shot? Is that it's, why? It's spaced. It's not one word. Oh, weird. Um, okay. Yeah. So this movie is fucking hilarious. And I yeah. thought it deserves more than what it got. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of searched in the, in the realm of comedy films that didn't make that much money and lo and behold, I found a pretty good one. Um, this film came out the second weekend in May of 2019. Um, oh yeah. Up, it, so it's also competing with Endgame. fucking great. Yes, I know. Just the worst possible idea for yeah. Charlie to have Seth Rogen and Charlie dude Seth studios should have just been like, all right, we're just not going to release movies for a hot minute. <laughs> this opening weekend was basically, it was $9 million and it's total run was 30 million. Um, Ouch, 9 million dude. I know it's a comedy, but it had Seth Rogen's Charlize Theron, like big names, sellable names. Yeah. And it can, so, Oh, that's all it could muster up against the Titan. That was Endgame, dude. So People I were wasting yeah. three hours of their lives every day. It's so crazy. And some people even watch that film almost a hundred times. In theaters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think this is a, it's a really like nice rom-com too. Like it's not, it's well done. The laughs are great. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> overall cast too. I mean, Bob Odenkirk plays the president. <laughs> like it's pretty fucking awesome. And then you get the Northman himself popping up as a prime minister. Um, it's, it's a funny film. It really is. I kind of do want to, I mean, I would really like to go back and just rewatch it. Um, and uh, Jonathan Levine that he's worked with, I forgot that he did the night before. And I know that's a favorite. Oh, yeah. No so wonder this, I like that movie so much. So this, I love this the is night before. Something, don't be surprised if, if this pops up on my letterbox in like a week. Cool. With me packing up and me just going back and watching this again. Cause I, I really was surprised. I didn't, I don't even, I didn't see this in theaters. Um, me neither. I just said, I, I watched it on a plane when it was free or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause this is when I, but was, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. So I think uh, a good release for this one, cause we were just talking about 2019, but if this came out more towards the end of the summer where it wasn't competing against in game and maybe, yeah, I know I'll get, dude, that'd be a good August comedy. So I have, yeah, so I have it going against like that second or third week where it's just fighting off the end of Hobbs and Shaw and it's going against that film. Oh, sure. Good Boys. You remember that one? That was all right. Yeah, that was okay. But I think this would have been a better. better This would have competed hardcore against it, though. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, it's uh, this is just just kind of fun. Just like figuring that out. And that's the unfortunate thing, though, is a lot of times comedies have a hard time to begin with finding money, making money in the in the box office. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's one I picked. Yeah. That might actually be something I know we always, I'm always interested in, in like how much comedy is made and like gets released. That might be something else I could look into, but yeah, that was my, uh, that's my pick. Sure. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know how you're going to feel about this next one. 
Uh-oh. This is kind of a long shot pick, but I, I thought about it, and I, I think there's, like, significant proof that this would be more... This isn't about moving the month it was released. This is about releasing it in a different year, like, in a different time, like, in, in film. Because the film The Watchmen is... Like a highly controversial film. I remember watching it younger and hating the shit out of it and not understanding any of it. And be and it I don't know, it was like dark and dreary, and Zack Snyder's style was like not very susceptible for me. But that was in 2009, and it was like right on the heels of your incredible Hulk and Iron Man and the beginnings of the MCU. And then also the Dark Knight and the like the right the right there at the beginning of the trilogy for Christopher Nolan. Um, but when you think about the Watchmen, it kind of like it's a movie that definitely leans so hard into the comic bookiness of the, the story and the narrative. I mean, God, like we have a literal owl suit guy and his in his owl jet, whatever they, they ripped like a lot of stuff right out of the comics and did take a little creative liberties on the story, which has been debated for a long time. Watch the extended cut. But if it was released in like 2019 or even or like 2020 or whatever, like no pandemic after the boom that was the comic book film industry and how those are just like box office bangers and critical successes over and over and over again. I think this movie sees an incredible amount of more success and doesn't land inside this more niche audience. It, it, I, I think it, because after my falling in love with comic books and reading the Watchmen and watching the movie and then watching the show on HBO, which came out after the big comic book boom, boom, and people absolutely loved that show, including myself. I think this movie would have worked great post like in a post MCU world. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the the release that it came out in, and it's really hard to find a weekend in that year to put it in because that summer you you had uh, I mean 2009 is stacked you had X-Men Origins Wolverine yeah. Star Trek Angels and Demons Night at the Museum 2 Up The Hanover The Proposal I'm going week by week yeah. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen uh, Bruno which made 143 mil right Harry Potter um, I think this didn't yeah. I, I'm uh, I looked God I looked it up it made it, it made like 200 million total I think but I can't imagine what the budget on it was. And uh, your opinions on Zack Snyder aside, I really think that this movie works better in like a world after all these comic book movies. And I guess that's the end of my argument there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not, I don't think that I don't hate that pick. I don't hate that one. Um, It's probably, I mean, if, I mean, we could possibly go there, but knowing like what we know with the justice league and how half, much I like that, but the Watchmen might be one of my favorite cast of Zack Snyder that he had. Oh, sure. Um, big fan of Patrick Wilson, and I I mean, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Billy Cudrup, and then obviously uh, Carla Cicino and Malin Ackerman. Yeah, he has a Jackie Early Haley. I think that might be one of my favorite. It's a fantastic cast, and honestly, you Patrick don't, Curry. I don't need you to change the cast. I don't need you to change the director. I don't need you to change the style. I just think it would be more successful in a later date. 
And on that, uh, especially on that subject, though, if you haven't watched the Watchmen TV show, oh, right, yeah. you know, check mm-hmm. that because that is Regina Hall. It's sort of like a respectable sequel to the movie because it does kind of carry on with some of the characters. Obviously, It's kind of a sequel to the movie, but more a sequel to the comics because it's more aligned with the source material of the comics. Yeah, it's. It's fucking fun, and I loved it, dude. I love that show. I'm, I'm kind of glad. The, um, oh my god, Tim Blake Nelson's mirror face guy, whose name's escaping. Dude, I, I know one uh, of the best character. Looking Glass. Oh, I have it popped up. Yeah. Uh, I remember I watched that. Uh, I that was one of the shows where like I watched the first couple episodes and then I had to wait because I wanted to bench it. I just really wanted it all in one take, just a spoonful. Um. Yeah, that's that's a very recommended uh, recommended show, um, without a doubt. So my last pick um, here, this one. Uh, let me just retract. I didn't even write down the uh, the year it came out, but I'm pretty sure I. Okay, so I went back a little bit. Uh, now this one is when I said stretch. I think it's more so just um, my own personal like. How were we, you know, supposed to expect that? And what I have here was, okay, here it is. So opening weekend was October 24th, 2014. Um, this is a, the beginning of an action. Dude, I don't know why 2014 is such a blank spot. Well, I kind of really started my movie passion in 2015 with the Avengers Age of Ultron, but yeah, like 2014 is kind of a blur. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so this was um, the beginning of an action franchise that is now just beloved and adored by so many. Uh, it's opening weekend though, uh, so this is kind of why I picked it out here. It, I mean, its total U.S. run was forty three. It came, it was second in its opening weekend to a shitty ass horror film because that's just what horror films do in October around Halloween. Um, but the film that I picked was John Wick. Oh, I dude, I it almost came to me because I was like, wait a minute, is he about to say Kingsman or John Wick? And then you said, nice dude, easily my favorite, one of my all-time favorite action movies period the mu- music sure. the the action the style the the badassery of keanu reeves like please go on i need to one, hear this argument so one of the so one of the things i kind of pulled from it though is like obviously you have so around this time you had so that horror film was a ouija shit ass movie <laughs> but Gross. you in the weeks prior there was fury and gone girl in the month of october and those were very well received films and they they made fair amount of money definitely gone girl um, but the I second, like Fury too, but yeah, the second weekend, uh, it was that weird thing where obviously October 31st ended on a Friday, so it doesn't really count. But um, Big Hero Six was, and then was like a couple weeks from there, and so it just ate up the following couple weeks. And then I forget about this, but the sequel to Dumb and Dumber came out and nice. chewed up some fucking dough. And then you have your Harry Potter, or your Hunger Games, and and that just really destroyed. But but like yeah. that's the thing that was like this film was so heavy. Um, that is a heavy set of weeks. Yeah, and so even though that film didn't make a lot of money, it was still heavily just. Uh, I mean, reviewed great. It made you know enough money because it wasn't even it didn't have a big budget. But lucky enough that this film, you know, still had the success that it had. Uh, however, just it you know it's weeks like its second weekend was seven mil. Like I'm surprised we have it today, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of picked it out and. I don't even know, like, if you were, I mean, if you were to plug this in, I mean, still kind of cool to get an action film like that towards the end of the year. Um, 
and we certainly that'd had- be a nice Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, that would. I was kind of trying to figure out what would be a really fun um, action movie to get on Christmas, but we had to wait like three years to get even. What if it was like? What if it was set by at Christmas and it was like the new Die Hard? That would be awesome. Yeah, this if you know if people are listening, like we got to get a really cool action movie on on the Christmas. That would be that would be awesome. Um, like if Bullet Train was coming out on Christmas instead of the end of the summer, that'd be something. Um, but yeah, I kind of I kind of had fun with that. Um, really changing. I don't know if you noticed, but I really picked a drama. I picked a sci-fi. I picked a comedy, and I picked an action film. Covered my basis there. Um, Cause like, obviously like, you know, I adore the Academy in most ways. And like, I didn't want to pick a film within that because a lot of times those movies don't make money. So I wanted to really kind of like look into what one, you know, people listening to this would be willing to check out uh, that are, that's you know fun and not many people got to check out. So I, yeah, I mean, this, this yeah. was a, a fun experiment. I wanted to throw this idea to you, but like, it'd be kind of fun to maybe, do more themes like this rather than like picking with what has come out. Because like, I know when we get into the summer, there's going to be a couple of films where we'll have, we want to talk about. Right. I was also thinking instead of picking and choosing on some of those, like instead of like leaning towards one, we could always just do our own thing. It's just a matter of if we come up with something, dude, well, we can make it, we can make it generally surrounded, but like when Thor Ragnarok comes out, we're not just going to be like favorite MCU movies. We're going to get fun with it, bro. We might do favorite Taika Waititi movies, though. Hopefully we get spoiler, a spoiler alert. Film. I mean, that feel like that movie has been in production for the longest time. Next next goal wins. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, dude, I would I love Taika Waititi and soccer. That'd be right up my alley. But and Michael Fassbender. What? what oh, wasn't it Army Hammer before, though? They replaced him with Will. Yeah, so funny. Will Arnett. Will Arnett. That's even funnier all right but we'll move on from that and then we're gonna go into our end of the show recommendations go ahead brent because i need to queue up mine well i'm just gonna use what we just talked about that's the floor we gave you uh the films that i recommended uh that for our our theme with widow when widows uh blade runner 24 9 slash alien covenant the launch or launch shot or John Wick. Like, if you haven't seen one of those, I think that would be well worth it. Wow, what a cop-out. Not really. Not really. Not really. Because what's going to happen here is I'm going to watch one of those films and just recommend it next week. Well, I... Fine. And you know what I've been watching recently, and I can't just, like, go straight into that. Oh, yeah. We got to save that for next week. Mm-hmm. Well, two weeks. All right. Well, two my weeks. recommendation is the movie Fanboys. I watched it again. Uh, for the first time in like a while and it dude it's so funny and it and as as a fanboy of Star Wars it hits all the right like comedic notes and all the references and cameos are fantastic Seth Rogen has multiple cameos Carrie Fisher shows up it's it's really a movie that was made by people who loved Star Wars so it works really well and I think it's up there with like the space balls of Star Wars parodies. And they have some incredibly funny characters. And next to like Jack Black, dude, Dan Fogler is one of the funniest guys in Hollywood, in my opinion, and is quickly becoming one of my favorite people to see. I hope he gets some really good roles post getting stuck in the wizarding world like he is right now. But that is my that is my recommendation for this week. I mean, short and sweet. 
not to steal your thunder there, but for Fogler, he he's playing Francis Ford Coppola in the offer. Right. Oh, in the offer. And, I got to watch the, that. I watched a clip of that today, and I, I don't think I've ever wanted to throw my phone across the room more in my life. Just all around. Oh, um, you suck. So it, it, it now might, you have to now you have to do that. The closing and, because you pissed me off. And, I'm leaving. Well, here comes here comes my bias, though, is because nope, I'm leaving I'm looking forward to the movie that's coming out about this. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, this will be uh, this will be my last pod in Florida. So we're uh, we'll be figuring. I'm very excited. Yeah, I really had you there, right? You're like, wait, what? <laughs> I came back. I had left, but I came back for that. Uh, no, I'm the one leaving, but right. Yeah. So, yeah, we will be with you next week. Thanks for listening.